Welcome to Brazen Education with Educator Barnes, a podcast with a focus on speaking your truth, being transparent to help others, and having no shame about it. Because we can't move forward until the truth is known. Hey everyone, it's Educator Barnes here, and thanks for tuning in to this next episode of Brazen Education. This topic is called 10 Takeaways from the Teacher Self-Care Conference. So I first probably need to tell you what the Teacher Self-Care Conference is. This is the annual conference. Um, It's been held in Atlanta, Georgia for the last three years, and is led by the wonderful Francesca Fran Warren. She is the CEO and founder of the Educators Room. Most of you know that this podcast is part of the Educators Room. I write for the Educators Room, and I'm one of their editors now. And I didn't know about this conference until I became a writer for TER. And Fran, she's like, you know, I want you to come present at the conference. And so this is the second annual conference. And I said, well, I I can't go and present. First of all, I had never been to Atlanta, Georgia. So that was like uh, kind of a daunting thing. And not that I'm afraid to travel. Atlanta just wasn't one of those cities that was on the top of my list of places to go. Um, I've been now uh, twice and it is a nice city. There's a lot. There's a lot going on in Atlanta. So that was one uh, area like, okay, if I'm going, how long I'm going to be there, being away from my family. And I have no problem taking time away from my family. But the first time we went um, back in 2018, my husband and my sons did go with me and we made a vacation out of it, which was great because my husband's sister had recently moved down to Alpharetta, which is outside of Atlanta. And so it was an opportunity for us to catch up with her and her children and her husband. My other issue was, even though I was presenting to teachers, I was a coach at the time, I was just really presenting to teachers in Indianapolis. And you're talking about me coming to a conference in Atlanta with teachers from across the United States and Canada. And, you know, it's one thing at home to be cool and people are like, yeah, Shantae, you know, uh, you did a good job with the presentation. Love to have you back. You know, you know, giving me compliments and praising my work is another situation to go to another city and be in front of educators that you do not know from different states, even from a different country, and to test your weight to see how it goes. And so, honestly, I had a bit of a fear there. You know, I don't want to go somewhere else and be like, man, she sucks. But, you know, I'm also a big risk taker. People know this about me. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to go do it. I'm going to be me. And if they don't like how I am, that's cool. Um, We can part ways, check the deuce, I'm out. So I went last year and it was an awesome, awesome, awesome experience. Honestly, I can't remember the exact title of my presentation. I talk about this a lot. Um, I suck at writing titles. A lot of times my titles are not written by myself. They are modified because I just cannot write a good title to save my life. Occasionally, uh, I come up with a decent title, occasionally. So Fran changed my title to a more catchy, appealing one. But the first um, conference um, in 2018 in uh, Atlanta, the annual one, I talked about um, how I finally lost 40 pounds after having my boys. 
Um, what some people don't know is, you know, I had a twin pregnancy, so I'm bed rest for four months, two at home, two in a hospital, and I only put on like 41, 42, 43 pounds, right? And then I decided to nurse my boys. Well, that takes a hell of a lot of calories when you're nursing two babies at the same time, because that's what I was doing. Did that for eight months, lost all the weight, and put it all back on, and kept it on for like four years. Around year four, I get these, uh, my husband's like, you know, we got to keep our insurance down. I need you to go get this biometric screening, like whatever. So I go get it, and a lady was telling me that I was on the way to diabetes, my cholesterol is high. And so I talked to the teachers last year about how I had to take my life back and get control over myself. Like, I wasn't healthy. I was at school way too long. So I talked about that, and people really liked what I talked about. So I was asked to come to a mini conference. Fran realizes, like, people like me maybe don't want to go um so far away and go to Atlanta or they just can't it's too expensive especially on a teacher's salary and a lot of teachers are paying back student loans I'm blessed to not have any uh, student loans that I had to pay back I had one student loan and my father uh, for my wedding gift um said he was going to pay it off and he did within I think before I finished my first year of marriage my dad had paid off and I only had a seven thousand dollar loan so it wasn't even a huge loan because my um tuition um, and all my other fees were paid for. Uh, I just, at the end, because I ended up being on that five-year plan after switching my major three times, I had to take out a loan because there just wasn't any more money uh, there. And so he paid it off before, I think, before we celebrated our first uh, wedding anniversary or shortly after there. So she started doing mini conferences. Uh, so she had one in Chicago and another one in uh, Miami, Florida, around spring break time. I, uh, and then... There was one in Texas. I was like, okay, Texas is a bit far. And, and my husband was kind of a little salty about that one because he really wants to go to Texas. Hell, my husband would move to Texas if he could. He would move to D.C. He would move to probably New York. And he would move to Atlanta. Uh, Indy is cool, but he would prefer to live in a large city. I honestly could live in a city smaller than Indianapolis. So, Hence, that's why we're in Indianapolis, because it's a happy medium, you know, that good old marriage compromise thing. So I'm like, no, boo, we're not going. Um, but we did go to Chicago, because Chicago is like three hours from Indy. And at that one, I presented again, and I really narrowed down on actions teachers can take about uh, mental health to get their life back. And that one was powerful. I met some awesome uh, educators for Chicago Public Schools and different places, and I'm still connected to a lot of them right now. We talk on Instagram, talk back and forth on Twitter, um, private messages on those um, platforms, and that was a wonderful experience. But from that one, uh, some people said they wish I could talk and address issues that were particular around mental health for teachers of color. So this year, 2019, uh, we just had the conference this past Friday and Saturday. My topic was the stigma of mental health among teachers of color. And that was powerful. One of the rules I have with my presentation is like Vegas. What happens in the room stays in the room. So what I share uh, today, I'm not going to share anything that was shared during my particular session. Because I have a rule about that. When you're talking about mental health and you want people to be transparent so you can help them, you can't, the person has to feel safe. And a lot of us, what we need to feel safe is um, privacy. So the words I'm going to mention or examples I'm going to give are things that were very public at um, the teacher self-care conference and not in uh, 
the private sessions. And my, I was in another session which had, um, which asked for our norms, good old educator PLC, you know, we like to have our norms, um, that what happens in the room stays in the room. And I just want to preference that uh, right there because I gave my word and I always keep my word. So let's uh, get to it. Let's get to the 10 takeaways I had. And these are just takeaways I had overall, uh, just from some of the experiences I had um, that I had from this teacher self-care conference. Number one is that self-care, unfortunately, is now becoming a buzzword and is not necessarily being used correctly. Sometimes people think about self-care like this uh, luxe, pampering, almost like, ooh, I got to take care of myself. That's not exactly what we mean. We mean when we are talking about self-care is not giving of yourself to the point that you are falling apart. And teachers, whew, we are notorious for that because to go in a teacher, you have to have a heart. You have to have a heart for children. You have to have a heart for kids. And to have that heart, you're a giver. You're a caretaker. You you want to take care. I mean, I think about my um sons. Um, they were in the same class. I remember my son had a chronic cough. And I'm like, I got to get this medicine. We got, got him the cough medicine. And, I, you know, I'm texting the teacher on the little app. And she's like, oh, I got it. I got some peppermints. I got some cough drops. As long as it's okay. And I was just thinking to myself, that's that's a true teacher. That That's how we are. We we trying to make sure that the student's okay. We got to get them some cough drops. You know, if they are don't have lunch, make sure they eat a snack from our room. You know, all they're coming in, their clothes are a little bit raggedy. Okay, let me uh, make sure they have some clothes to wear. We give and we give and we give and we give and we give. And then we're not taking care of ourselves. And so one of the reframing or the refocusing at the conference was like, what is self-care? And don't get caught up in it becoming a catch word because now it's kind of like, I take it like, it's like uh, uh, being culturally responsive. Some of these things are becoming catch words and not being used for the intent that they, um, that they were created. Number two, there are serious consequences to not taking care of yourself. And some of the examples I'm about to share were some that were shared pretty publicly. Um, we had a panel uh, called PSD in uh, Teachers. And you had teachers sharing about how they ended up in the ER because they were literally having breakdowns. That's how bad it got. Or they were so stressed out. The one teacher said that she just told a student to shut up. And she said, no, that's not, you know how I should address the student, but she said it was just, just all, all this pressure. And what really got me was one of the teachers was a teacher of the year at her school and the, the pressure and the weight and uh, what it sounded like to me, I'm not trying to put words in the teacher's mouth, but I don't think she wanted to say it, but it sounded like she was being harassed by her administration. And, I'm, uh, you know, teachers saying that they, you know, are on anxiety, uh, anxiety meds, um, uh, depression medication, just hearing about schools where half the teachers are on some type of medication just to function. And one presentation I attended, the presenter talked about how um, there were some studies done to show that when teachers are stressed, that stress is being passed on to the students and it's creating, it can create kind of a stressful or uh, environment or not the environment that uh, a welcoming environment that students deserve and honestly this job is hard enough without 
the extra stress and the extra baggage. And you have people who are so concerned about the job that they are ignoring their health to the fact that they are landing themselves in the hospital and they're uh, not taking care of themselves. And at a previous conference, a girl, uh, she ended up having to be taken away, a lady rather, had to be taken away um, in an ambulance because if I remember correctly, she had a heart attack at work. And I'm just like, good gracious, this job is literally about to kill some of us. And I knew a teacher that I worked with um, who retired, and he wasn't even that old. Like, I felt like he retired, like, right at retirement age or maybe a couple years before, but I think he was straight, so that's why he went out. Summer break, I get contacted. So we just a few weeks into into summer, he passed away. And that was the saddest thing to me. It's like... You did all this, you gave, you gave, you gave, and you finally walk away and retire, and then you're just gone. And I, I don't want to be that teacher, so that's why this conference is in, uh, important. One of the keynote speakers was Chris Emden. Um, I know he's really big on Twitter with uh, Hip Hop Ed. I have not participated in any of those uh, Twitter conversations, because honestly, there are so many Twitter chats online, and... <laughs> Some people will tell you, uh, those who have been in Twitter chats with me, I'm notorious for falling asleep during Twitter chats because I typically get up super early in the morning um, to edit um, either for the educator's room or for NEK 12 or to write my uh, write uh, for my own pieces. So when we're having Twitter chats around 738, even though that doesn't sound very late, sometimes I've been up since 3 a.m. So I'm up here like, I don't made a comment. Someone else tweeted back at me. And, and this and this is where people be uh, making jokes on me. They're like, yeah, just wait. Because tomorrow morning, sometime early, around 4, 5 a.m., Shantae going to get on there and respond back uh, to your comment that you posted last night <laughs> in the Twitter chat. <laughs> so I'll say all that to say. That's part of the reason I just haven't been on because <laughs> I'm like, look, I've already embarrassed myself. I fall asleep and responding the next day. Let me not get into a ball. But dude was dope. He was cool, he was transparent, and he just kept it real. And one of the points he made was just uh, be you. He said, and I, I tweeted this, um, he said, uh, uh, your authenticity is your vibranium. And for those of you like, what the heck is vibranium? Look, uh, watch Black Panther, read some comic books. We, I don't have time to get all into the weeds. Because um, that, that's the world burden sometimes, like, when you're making a black culture reference or you're just talking about something in black culture and then someone wants you to explain, like sometimes, and my white friends will tell you, sometimes I'm like, look, this is what it is, you know. And then sometimes I'm like, look, just uh, look for yourself. And they, uh, and, and my white friends are cool. They understand that part of learning about other cultures is taking some owner, uh, uh, some ownership and responsibility and finding out. And I am uh, becoming friends with a lot of uh, indigenous people. And that's the same thing. Like, there are things they will tell me, and there are some things they're like, uh, here's some resources you can find out for yourself, and I respect that. So back to my actual topic I talked about, mental health for teachers of color is a real thing, and I would have said that we have the worst. In my, uh, sometimes when people say people of color, they hear black. Um, we truthfully talked about people of color. We talked about three groups. We talked about our Latinos, we talked about black teachers, and we talked about Asian uh, teachers. And we looked at a lot of the data out there. Uh, we talked about Asians and the uh, model minority, um, how uh, some of their uh, relatives may not even believe in uh, mental health or their, uh, the religious piece. And the religious piece actually covered all three uh, groups. And uh, uh, 
something that was same between the Latinos and blacks was what happens in our family stays in the family. You're not going out there talking to no therapist. Um, religion was very uh, heavy. African Americans. Um, we talked a lot about how a lot of times uh, some of our incidents, our, our mental health is triggered by existing while black. Uh, we've had so many traumatic experiences just being a black person in this country that that lives itself on top of that. And then you trying to go teach and then you dealing with other black children because a lot of us who are black teachers, we want to teach in uh, schools where students look like us. And so now we have our own trauma. We have our own baggage. And now we're dealing with students that are bringing their trauma and their baggage. And it's like a boom. It's a collide. And so it's a, it's a serious situation. And so I went over statistics in my conversation. People were very transparent about some situations where I wish will not get into um, just about how tough it was. And I'm just glad that we came together and had a great, I told them, I'm like, look, yes, I'm up here in front of y'all delivering information, but I always tell people when you're in a presentation with me, it's a conversation. Um, that call and response piece is uh, really powerful in like the black church, the black community, like when a, uh, you have a crowd of black people and their person is talking. Um, Cause I remember I uh, uh, brought a white friend to church one time. Cause you know, the church is like, go out and make disciples, bring your friends to church. I'm like, okay, most of my friends are white. So I'll bring my friends to church. Yeah. I was a kid and you don't know that your church has all these rules and uh functions or ways of being until you bring somebody into your church and then you're like oh um so anyway preachers preaching people are saying things back and she was just like you could just like talk talk out back to the guy i'm like i was like yeah but that's our community even when it's not uh religious or related you know, people are just calling back out to the speaker and be like, come on, say that. Yeah, that's the truth. Oh, can I ask a question? That's kind of how we are. And so I tell uh, people when I'm making a presentation, like, look, first of all, I am not the holder of all knowledge. There is something in within you that you can say in this conversation that's going to empower me that can make my next presentation better. This is a conversation. Please don't have me up here talking at y'all this whole time. Uh, and then I, I'm getting really good at that wait time because you need wait time with children. You need it with adults. And they say, OK, let's uh, ask a question. OK, uh, anybody have any uh, responses? And then I'll wait. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter if it's a daughter or a child. People hate that awkward silence. Somebody's going to say something. And I'm OK with the silence. So that, that's uh, that's cool um, with me. My next point was something I actually talked to my father about before I went. He talked about the whole crabs in the bucket mentality because my father and I were talking about my career. I wrapped up year 13, always starting year 14 next school year. And we talked about some of the incidents I faced throughout my career. And you, if you read my article, Teachers Quit Principles Not School, you know I dealt with some racism in that particular one. So you had that, but it was like people in my face like, ooh, you affirmative action hire. You're just here because you're black. Do you know that that was easier to deal with? than being harassed, pulled down, and undermined by people that looked like me. Some of my worst, most difficult experience I've had are with other black educators. I freely admit I'm a blurred, um, black nerd. I'm uh, an odd person, and I'm okay with that. I'm very okay with that. Uh, on my um, website, uh, educatorbarns.com, I wrote a piece that says I am black enough, and it talks about how... Um, I feel like there's a black community and then I'm like somewhere on the peripheral. Like I'm just not like in it. I, I, there's just things about me that people find odd. 
the fact that I listen to classical music. Uh, I listen to a lot of music. Um, I've listened to probably every genre, to be honest. Um, I just love music, which my husband's like, what do you have our kids listen to? Because my husband, it's very like R&B, hip-hop, rap. It, uh, maybe some pop, maybe a little rock. But some of the stuff I listen to, he's just like not feeling. I will say, uh, if I'm listening to classical jazz and some of my classical music, he'll he'll tolerate. So uh, I'm, I'm I'm bringing him along. Um, but just there are things that I'm interested in. Um, um, there's things that I like to do um, that people just find odd, and people tell me that's not black. Um, and so when you're in a school setting, when you're 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 fortunate enough to be in a school where there are other educators that are black. And um, there's there there's um, these these research studies, and I think there's a book that's called you know, while the black kids sit together at the lunch table. I was never a black kid that sat together with the black kids at the lunch table because honestly I was not welcome. At Purdue University, there's a place called the Tree. Um, that's where all the black people congregate. I sat there one time, and it was just like I don't even know why I was over there. I there just I was never invited to a black party when I was in college. And the white parties I always got invited to. So I just never really meshed in because I just had interests that, that were different and that people just thought were just too white. And I, I don't feel like I'm too white. I don't feel like I'm not black enough. I feel like I am me and I'm okay with that. But when you're you and people feel like you're not fitting in with the group or the norms uh, that black people set, sometimes I try to undermine you. And I've had um, I've had black colleagues that have lied on me. I will tell you that the one colleague that did that. Um, so somebody lied on me, and it was early in my career. Someone that I looked up to, the, to be completely honest, lied on me. I was investigated, and I had no clue I was investigated until I was told. Um, my principal wanted me to come to the office. I was told by my principal that uh, you know this was said about you. Uh, you were investigated, and we found out that this person totally fabricated this. And the very thing that the person lied on me about was the very thing this person was doing. Um, that person actually ended up getting terminated. And so now I have a situation where I looked up to someone, uh, looks like me, lies on me, finds myself getting terminated, you know. And it wasn't just about this lie. There were some other things going on that I wasn't aware of. And so I've had several experiences like that. I, I was even at work one time, and I, there was a colleague um, that was in uh, some trouble with the snow getting to work. And all the black, and it was a black colleague, and I ended up coming up to the front office because this person had texted me, and I was like, what's going on? And someone cracked a joke, it's like, oh, <laughs> oh, Shantae's going to come and hang out with the black people now. And even though I laughed it off, that's the kind of crap I hear from people at work sometimes. I'm, and you know what? I'm at a point in my life at 35, like I really don't give a damn if you think I'm black enough or not. I'm me. And if you're going to be jealous of me, try to undermine me. You go do that. Go burn your energy on something like that. But as a teacher, as an educator, we shouldn't be acting like the kids. And if we're saying that we're creating these culturally responsive classrooms to accept everyone, the least you can do is accept those that are your colleagues. So if you're a black educator or educator of color and you're bothering other educators of color, stop that mess. Stop that mess right now. Grow up. Number six administration needs to be more aware and cognizant of self-care and take care of their teachers there was a point at time where we did different roll calls all the elementary educators stand up all the secondary educators stand up 
And then they say all oh, the admins dinner. There was like two people. And that was disappointing to me. Um, I will say for next year, um, this conference is going to go from two days to three days. And the first day is going to be uh, an administrator's summit. And if you are a teacher listening to this, uh, go to Teach Yourself Care. Oh, man. I think it's dot org. It's probably.com. Try both. You'll figure it out. <laughs> um, and get that information to your principal because principals need to be there. Because here's the thing. If you're a principal, you was once a teacher. And there's something about crossing that threshold that changes some people that were wonderful teachers into administ- uh, to these horrible administrators. Now, on the flip side, we had a whole conversation about how some people get into administration. They had no business being there. I taught two years and they up here being administrators because they was kissing the right butt or, you know, nepotism. or They were friends for the right people. I'm just keeping it real because y'all know that's the truth. And then those people are over you and you are under their authority and how that could be harming you. But if you're an administrator that cares about your teachers, you care about your students because you can't care about your students if you don't care about your teachers. You need to be putting things in place that shows your teachers that I care about you. You're not loading them down with unrealistic expectations. And if you do have to do something because of the district mandate, be real about that and be real about how you're going to support them. Because sometimes, shoot, I get it. I've been a coach. So I've been there at those meetings where there's, I, you know, because sometimes as a coach, you go to these uh, admin meetings with your administrator and you're like, district wants her to do what? And then you realize, <laughs> there's not a recommendation. <laughs> That's what she's going to do. <laughs> so you're like, mm, how are we about to bring this back to the building? So I've seen the other side. But there's a way to go about it. And there's a way to support teachers so it's uh, successful. So I really hope that uh, I'm glad that Fran is addressing this. Because every conference, people are talking about this. Like, we need, we need administrators in this conversation. And they, shoot, administrators need self-care. They need to be there just for themselves. Um, there was a, a former administrator I met at the conference last year. Uh, her uh, brand is Teach and Take uh, Time for You. Oh, oh, please, I hope I got that right. I just felt, I went to her session. I found her phenomenal. So I hope she'll come back to some more uh, conferences and share uh, some of what she uh, learned. Seven, I learned that uh, teachers need an outlet. I met a, a lady named uh, Dana. And she's behind the Happy Teacher Revolution. And she is just so bubbly, so happy, so just so great. But she was really transparent about her experience, uh, which I won't get into. Um, you look her up and check her out. She has a lot of stuff um, on there. And um, she talked about how she has these different, I don't want to call it a club. And she said it's not like AA, but it's like where teachers can meet and just kind of vent. And it's kind of like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And she actually, in her session, she talked about what she did, her background. And then we actually did one of these sessions. And it was it was really cool because I had uh, no intention of saying anything during the session. And there was a lady that said something that I'm pretty sure I saw her in Chicago. Or maybe it was Atlanta last year. And it just triggered me because it was a very similar experience I went through and I shared it. I was like, eh, I was not even trying to talk during this session. Um, so teachers need an outlet. They need a place to share because, honestly, I'll tell you one thing that I felt this school year. I, I don't feel emotionally safe at my current school. I don't feel there's anyone at my current school that I can talk to or confide in because of some situations that's happened this school year. And when you're in that situation where you literally can't talk to someone that's in, literally in your same situation, like that there with you on the ground every day, 
you need a place where you can talk. And sometimes you need a place for you to talk because you don't know who the snitches are. Because, unfortunately, in some school buildings, you just got those people that are just kissing principal butt because they think they're going to get elevated up to uh, to another role. I don't know. I don't know why you're doing that. I'm, uh, my principal will tell you. <laughs> I'm not there for that. I'm very like this is what it is and this is what I will and will not do. Uh, I'm very much like that. And some people can't can't stomach a person that's like me. And one of the ladies that was on the panel, she talked about how her data is like off the charts. And she said, instead of that being congratulated or celebrated, she said people started calling her arrogant and calling her these names. And um, I've never been called arrogant, um, but I've been uh, called uh closed off from people even though uh i have all these notes and i don't have it with me um a colleague of mine wrote me a very powerful note about how helpful i was to her she actually ended up leaving our school and that resonated with me so much because there were some people that were saying that some of the changes that we're making to make our library more culturally responsive because that that was my job last year i was an elementary librarian they weren't supportive of because Oh, you're going to get rid of that book? Teacher, nobody has read this book for 20 years. No one. We don't need it. And don't you come in here trying to check it out so it don't have one checkout in the last 20 years. Do you hear yourself right now? Let's get this off the shelf and put books on the shelf that kids want to read. And so this teacher wrote to me and says, I see you. I see what you're doing. Keep doing it. And... I was so oblivious to that she was handing me something so powerful because I'm rushing down the hallway. It's the teacher uh, uh, record day. So I'm just trying to turn in all my stuff, get my checklist so I can roll out, right? So she's like, hey, hey, uh, I got something for you. I'm like, oh, okay. And I just grabbed it and kept walking. I didn't read. I didn't open it up until like days later. So we fully into summer break. And I was like, wow. Um, so uh, side note. Even if you're facing adversity, there there are some people that see what you're doing despite the noise and despite what people are saying. Number eight, we as educators have to learn this word, no. Now, I'm very, very comfortable and confident in the word no. No to the part of that somebody called me this school year. You, you know how they go. Well... Mrs. Barnes, you just not a team player. Oh, oh, I'm not. Oh, okay. Um, thanks for sharing your opinion with me. I am very much a team player, but you're not going to tell me how I'm going to play on the team. And that's where we find ourselves in. You feel like you have to burn the midnight oil. And I, I wrote something for the educators room. I think it was one of my uh, earliest articles for them about teaching you to stop burning the midnight oil. Uh, people know me. I roll up when the time for school is start, and I roll out when school is over. Now, it doesn't mean I do that every single day. I have days where I'm like, you know, maybe once a week, okay, I'm going to stay after and do this. But I have a schedule for that because after school, um, my boys are in clubs, they're in activities, and I want to see what they're doing. And there's uh, activities I want to do with them. I have uh, date nights built in because, honestly, we have, like, afternoon dates, my husband and I. Because we can keep our kids in aftercare until 6 p.m. And we have, my because my husband's, I can get off of work at 310, right? Which means there's a place, there's a beer garden by our house uh, at Newfields. Um, if you're not for Indy, you have no clue what this is. But long story short, um, the uh, Museum of Art, uh, 
changed his name to a new field and they have all these extra things with it now and one of those is the beer garden so sometimes we'll just uh, meet we'll get we can meet there by 3 30 um have a little afternoon date and and do us and so when you're saying i have to stay around for some arbitrary task um that i'm not interested in to show you that i'm a team player instead of me taking care of myself and spending time with my husband and then now you're going to say, oh, I'm not a team player. I'm not a team player because I'm taking care of myself. I'm not a team player because I'm not up here chugging coffee. Um, I drink coffee. You know how some people are social alcoholic drinkers? I'm like a social coffee drinker. I, I don't really drink coffee. I don't really care for it, to be completely honest. Um, so I'm that person that PD, like, okay, uh, trying to figure out how to make my little coffee cup. I typically drink decaf because I don't like all the caffeine in coffee. Um, so I'm not I'm a teacher that goes to work. I'm me. I'm not hyped up on Coke. I'm not hyped up on coffee. I'm just there because I'm trying to make sure I'm getting sleep at night because I do get up early. So I go to bed early. So having an afternoon date is perfect for that. Um, but I, I do help out when help is needed. I am there and I, I make plans like I look at my calendar and that's the thing that was frowned upon until I came to my current school and I've only been in my current school for one school year. I would look through the school calendar and decide what school events or school activities I would participate in and schedule that around the things I wanted to do either with my husband, who with my parents, maybe my sisters, maybe my kids, maybe my nieces. So I'm kind of having that balance between work and uh, work and my personal life. Right. But at this school. That that wasn't acceptable. It was like, oh. We're having a math pentathlon. We need everybody X, um, to, to be here X amount of times. Oh, we're having this. We need you to be here. And most of you know, I started working on a, um, in a doctoral program. I did classes the first semester of the school year. Second semester, I didn't do any classes. I'm doing more classes again the next semester. Because you have some time. And so I'm playing. I have a plan. Um, anytime I put my mind to do something, I have a plan to finish it. And so that first semester, I like literally didn't have the time. And that's where I got the comment. I'm not a team player. I so, you know, because, you know, when people want to be jerks and say stuff like that and they don't know your situation. They Heck, I ain't been in school for a few months. So how are you going to tell me about myself? You don't even know me and I don't know you. But since you up here trying to tell me about myself, let me uh, pull my cell phone out of my pocket and show you my calendar. Pull out my calendar and just start flipping through the days. So you can see because I put everything on my calendar. Date night with husband at the beer garden kids taking them to a uh, math enrichment uh, club because my husband has a job where sometimes he works 60 to 80 hours a week so when it comes to our kids it's me a lot of times picking them up and doing these things so I'm, I just flip through here so uh when am I supposed to do this because I don't have the time and when I came in here for the interview now all these extra things that are supposed to be optional that you're now trying to tell me that they're not but they're still optional and now you're trying to come and criticize me about that. Uh-uh. Don't. So you can come. So that's how people are. First, they was they was they try to be nice about it and try to ask you, and you like no. And they come and they try to criticize you and try to guilt you into it. What you, what you gonna know about Shantae Barnes? I don't care how you come at me, either with this fake enthusiasm or criticism or try to tell her people I'm not a team player. No, the first time. No, the second time. And no, and the other times that you come at me with that. And as educators, we have to learn to say no. The school building will not fall apart if you are not there um, helping set up tables for this one event. 
Yes, we need people to do that. Yes, I agree. At some point in time, you need to participate in some of these things. But I also even already say that some years may not be your year to do any of that stuff. I have colleagues who are uh, at the place where they are now taking care of parents. And I'm like, your parent is ill. You've been out of work. You are with your parent every day. Like this year is not the year for you to be doing any extra activities. And that should be respective because everybody has different life and, and phases and stages in our lives. And we don't respect that. We don't respect like legitimate change. It's not like this person doesn't care about the school because that's the other thing. Is that, oh, you don't care. They do care. But some, somebody's mama has cancer. They have a terminal illness. And you want them to shove that to the side to help set up tables? That's not even considerate. That's just. I just don't understand this profession why we just don't even see us as humans like like we don't have a life and we're not considerate we we, we uh, really need to bring that back number nine is um this whole teacherpreneur it's a thing and you should get into it i uh wow uh last year i went uh to tara sills um and i can't remember what her session was called and she was here this time uh with some popping blue hair go girl and uh, she talked about kind of branding yourself. And I'm sitting there in a session. I just went to the session. I'm going to be honest. You know, sometimes you go somewhere, you're like, I'm just going to check this out. I, I, don't, I don't think it fit me, but I'm just going to see what she's going to say. Uh, that's exactly how I roll up in there. And she was, so she, she, in a, and she was very like, you know, about this, like, kind of like me. <laughs> this is an interactive thing. You're not about to sit there and say nothing. So we all talked about ourselves. And she was like, she's like, you got all the components. You need to brand yourself. That's what she said to me. And then I uh, went to, um, teaching with a, uh, a Lanisha, uh, who is from Indy. Uh, I went to her um, branding session. And from that, I um, I hired someone, um, Beth, who is awesome. Um, awesome. She actually helped brand uh, the school district I went to as a kid. And I'm on the alumni newsletter. And I uh, uh, saw her advertisement. So I just reached out to her and said, hey, I'm a teacher. This is what I'm looking to do. And so she actually branded three things uh, for me. She branded me Educator Barn. So I have a nice little logo that I use with everything, um, which was helpful because one of the things I experienced in my career is um, theft of my work. Uh, when I was a coach, I was given a district binder of something to look through. Um, and then within this binder, I saw a, a, a resource that I had created. I had created this years ago. So even before I came to this district and I modified it and let somebody use it. And they were asked to put this binder together and pass it off of their own work. Now, you know how I am. I went right to that person and confirmed them with the information. Person, and it was a white educator. I'm, I'll be uh, transparent about that. Face turned all red. And I said, this is not okay. I said, nowhere on here says that this was created, um, research created by Shantae. You got your name up here in the front of this section. So everything after this, it presumes that it was made by you. I said, this is theft. And you know I'm an English teacher, so I'm talking about pleasure. I'm bringing it all all out. So um, there's a part of me that's like, I felt that this resource was important. Um, so I allowed it to be used um, with some modifications, you know, like my damn name on it. <laughs> um, and, um, and I said to this person, <laughs> uh, I said, uh, don't you come back to my office and ask me for anything else don't ask me for nothing and then I said you know I got some work to get done so I'm gonna go back and do that and that that's about all I can say because you know how 
you just mad about something. And the one thing I, 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 I try very hard to do is not to uh, get pissed off at work and say things that I'm going to regret. So I, I said the things that were needed to be said, like, this is not okay. This resource is valuable, so I'll let you use it if you um, put my name on it. And don't ask me for nothing else. Period. <laughs> and then I walked off. Um, probably said a bit sternly, but I did not use any profanity. I did not wail my arms or anything because sometimes um, being a black educator, you have a conversation with a white educator and they feel threatened. And I'm just like, but did you see how you came at me? You the one wailing your arms and stuff. Anybody should be feeling threatened is me. But see, I'm not going to let no colleagues make me feel threatened. That's, that's just how I roll. Um, but with the, so she also did that, um, uh, back to the, my branding myself. Um, so educator Barnes, um, sharing resource, uh, 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 changing lives one resource at a time. Shoot. I need to know my own tag, man. Look at me. I'm bad. <laughs> my other resource. So before I started to become an educator, education writer, I was actually writing about gardening and, uh, urban gardening and growing your own food. And so she branded me, um, Gardner Chicole. Chicole is my middle name. Um, it's a name I go by a lot sometimes because my first name, when people read it, they mispronounce it. Um, a lot of times people don't mispronounce Chicole. And so when I created the website, I named it that. Um, and so Gardner Chicole is anybody can be a gardener. You just have to get ready, get set, and grow. See, I know that one because I say that. It's weird. So Educator Barnes, I put my logo on stuff and on presentations. But with Gardner Chicole, I vlog. So I say my tag all the time. So I got it down. So now I feel like, see, I'm having a reflection right here on this podcast. I need to start saying my tag when I present so I get it ingrained in my head. So I'm up here stuttering and stumbling. And the last one is something I recently created. Um, I um, created a logo for my kids um, called Barnes Brothers Books. And not this week. I'm going to talk more about what that's about. I can't talk about that one uh, right now. But um, there's more on that coming. But... Teachers have talents. We are professionals. We have skills and we can uh, monetize those skills by creating resources for the teachers doing presentations. Some of my presentations I go to and I don't get paid and some of them I do get compensated and some I've been compensated well for um, more than I would ever thought somebody would pay me. And when you have talent, when you have good uh, data, when you know your stuff, people will pay you. So go get that money. And so there was a part like uh, they call it teacherpreneurship, uh, self-care through teacherpreneurship. Taking care of yourself because we know at the end of the day teachers don't make enough. That's why we up, we on Time Magazine, on Time Magazine teachers, on Time Magazine, donating plasma, driving Uber, uh, uh, mowing lawns just to get by. So why do all that other stuff? Why don't we just use the skills that we already have to make some 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 size change, get that hustle on? And uh, number 10 is that teachers need a self-care community. And that's what I love about the Teacher Self-Care Conference. I have a community of teacher friends. Uh, I did write a piece for uh, TER called, oh, see, I'm bad at tile because I didn't, I don't think I named this one. It's about finding your teacher tribe. Just Google teacher tribe, TER, Shantae Barnes. You should find it. Uh, But it talks about how as teachers, we need a community of people because I come home all day, every day, and vent to my husband about my job. But my husband doesn't do what I do. It's kind of like when he comes home and vent to me about his job. Uh, and and he's, he's, um, he's a senior database administrator for the state of Indiana. I, sometimes I don't understand. Like, I don't understand why 
fuck you're upset about this. I don't understand the gravity of how this is affecting you. So I just, I'm supportive. There's something about being supportive and being a listening ear than being an understanding ear. We need listening ears, but we also need an understanding ear. We need somebody to be like, man, this PLC, and I don't have to explain what a PLC is. For my non-teacher listeners, PLC is a professional learning community. It's where we come together, look at data, do professional development, and try to figure out how we can get better for students. But you see all the time I had to sit there and say that to y'all, uh, non-teachers that, are list- that listen to my podcast. And first of all, my non-teacher audience is awesome. They are some of my hardest, biggest supporters. And teachers, we need supporters that aren't teachers because, honestly, a lot of people that make a decision about teachers are not teachers. So we kind of need that community of teachers and supporters. But we also need those people that are not teachers who are using the system, whether they have kids in the system that are supporting us. And so um, I have... um a strong base of people that read on my blog on my personal website that are not teachers that like follow me because um, I you, with websites you get notifications you see what people are reading sometimes they'll write me back and so some of my biggest supporters are not uh, teachers but I still need that community of teachers that um, that are around me that understand stuff that I don't have to take the time to explain they get why I'm frustrated they get why I'm like man this PLC is a waste of my time Nothing valuable is happening, and and you know it's not valuable when administration don't even show up. Yeah, <laughs> so that's the thing. I actually have a whole article about um, uh, professional development um, that will not be uh, released until later because I'm fine-tuning it. Because I have articles that I will sit down, bam, I got it done 15, 30 minutes because I write so much that I actually can ch- uh, uh, crank on an article that quickly. Uh, but some articles... I write it and it's just not right. So um, I, I'm working out that one. But one of the, the areas I am addressing in that article is the fact that we have meetings that principals will write you up for because, you know, somebody said that you wasn't there, but they don't even bother showing up to. And they supposed to show up to at some point in time. Granted, principals have a lot of responsibility. So I understand they're not there every single time. But you just come in August and you don't come the rest of the school year. That's That's a problem. And so find, find your community. And if you're an educator listening, uh, I know the next mini conference is in October sometime in Philly. And I've been to Philadelphia one time. Actually, I didn't even get to see the city. I was flown in for an event and flown right back out. I got to stop doing that. This game, going to these cities for education events and not exploring the city. But a lot of times um, I have other things that's happening in Indy, so I have to get right back. Um, so um, there's a mini conference that will be there. The next conference, number four. Wow, we're coming up on four. I'll be in Atlanta. I will not actually be presenting in 2020 in Atlanta because I'm doing some other work. And uh, my husband and I, we are very big on becoming uh, debt free. And uh, right now, the only debt we have is the mortgage on our house, um, which um, is down significantly. And my SUV, because if you don't know this, um, a couple school years ago, when I left work to start winter break, my paid-off car got totaled. So I had to get another vehicle uh, for Christmas. And that sounds great, get a new vehicle for Christmas. I said, but you're like me, and you had a paid-off vehicle, and you didn't want a car note. Um, so my vehicle is actually um, over 50% paid off. And my goal, so this is a this is a high-level goal. My goal is by December 2019 to have it completely paid off. Um, Because when I make goals for myself, I make high-level goals, like very, very aggressive goals, and then I make realistic goals. So I have, you know, those different ranges. Uh, But honestly, it'll probably be paid off when uh, next school year ends. So, um, because that's how I don't play when it comes to, I don't want debt, 
And so when that's off, the only thing we got to do is deal with our house. And our house has been paid off to the point of now we're like, well, maybe we can fix up some things around here or maybe we can move. So we have options. But we're not in a rush to do any of that stuff. So check out the Teacher Self-Care website. Um, follow the Educators Room. There are a lot of great articles. I know you're like, well, aren't you the editor? Aren't you supposed to say that? Look, yeah, I'm supposed to say it, but it's also true. Um, uh, read the great articles by educators from across the United States. We hired a couple um, educators that are abroad, and I love their perspectives because something that was said at the conference, teachers are suffering across the globe. It's not just a United States thing. And yes, there are some places uh, where we keep being told, I'm not going to mention those places, that it's just great there. But in general, you know, teachers are not uh, being lifted up in the way they should be, and they need to take care of themselves more. So hopefully... Uh, my top 10 uh, tips from the teacher self-care um, conference resonated with you and hopefully you heard some takeaway whether you're an educator or not that you can apply to your life and so thanks for listening to my podcast today uh, until next week